0: Welcome to Love at First Science, the podcast designed to dig deep into neuroscience, the human body, and anatomy. My name is Celeste. I'm a physio, and I teach anatomy to yoga teachers. And this podcast is an archive of the lessons I've learned along the way in my attempt to bring a more science-based approach into the yoga world. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in. Just a quick reminder that I don't run any ads, so this podcast can only grow with your support. If you learned something new that you found useful, please do rate and review the podcast. And if you think the content can help someone get out of pain, improve their life, move without injuries, or even just feel more inspired, please share it with them. It would mean the absolute world to me. And you never know, we just might help elevate our community along the way. So there's clearly some sort of trend developing on the show where I have an obsession with neuroscientists because yet again, I'm going to be welcoming Svenja Borges, who's also a former neuroscientist. She did her PhD in proprioception. Um, But since then has actually gone on to specialize in yoga and has written a book, unfortunately in German, which means um, a bunch of us are going to struggle to read it. I'm crossing all my fingers and toes that it gets translated, but basically it links up yoga and the brain and how different things work. So I'm very excited to bring her into the show today because I wanted to pick her brain more around the topic of proprioception. There's a lot of misunderstanding around this and I feel like she's going to clarify so many different points for us. So without much further ado, let's welcome the incredible Svenja. This episode has been broken up into two parts and this is your part one. So a very warm welcome to Svenja Borges who is a genius of a woman not only is she a yoga teacher but you're also a neuroscientist your specialism is in proprioception and this is such an important field for all of us who teach yoga so i'm so excited to have you on the show thank you for making it onto love at first science
1: well thanks to you for having
0: me i'm so excited and i'm also really excited to hear about your story because not only have you got a specialism in neuroscience and proprioception you're a yoga teacher, but you've also written a book about these two topics coming together. So um, can you just give us a little bit of a, your story, like how you got to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm teaching yoga since um, 10 years now. And so my background is actually in neuroscience. Um, I studied cognitive science, neuro and behavioral sciences, and then uh, did my PhD in the field of neuropsychology, um, actually bringing together proprioception, grasping, reaching, like all those motor control things and um, investigating how it is interconnected with um, object perception wow. and it was actually when I left the academic world in 2013 um, when I started my yoga practice more seriously um, I did my first uh, yoga teacher training then and mm-hmm. when I went on in my yoga journey and I noticed how much my own body feeling changed so much I be- kind of became aware of how much our brain plays a role in our yoga practice, but also, or actually rather more, uh, how much our brain was ignored in the yoga world. So it was my um, like vision and dream to create more awareness around that. And so, um, yeah, as you said, I published my book about yoga neuroscience last year, and I'm teaching uh, workshops about this topic. And so hopefully more and more people, can benefit from this knowledge too and I really appreciate appreciate that um, you kind of uh, like create so much more awareness about this too and bringing yoga and neuroscience together
0: I have to be honest it's not easy right because I feel like all of us yoga teachers have been taught to just work from the chin down we ignore everything from the chin up and yet what's so frustrating, now that I have a bit more knowledge about the brain, nowhere near what you understand. But even the little bit of understanding that I've gained over the last couple of years, I'm like, but it's up here where everything is actually, that's what's in charge. So everyone's talking about fascia, and I don't know, core control. I'm like, guys, (laughs) like that stuff is like nothing without the brain, like you need the brain first. I totally feel
1: you. And I'm always saying, like, we only feel our own body, we can only move it because we have a brain. But of course, I mean, fascia and, you know, biomechanics is important too. But we just can't ignore the other half. (laughs) So it really belongs together. And as you said, it's not easy, because the brain really is complex. So um, Mm. trying to break it down, make it more applicable, and like, really make people understand and interested in it is for me at least as a like background in, in science is really um hard because you know you really have to to connect to what's interesting for yoga and um like make it more graspable
0: yeah make it more understandable and it's not even that people like look we, we can make things more simple right like i we've both been in the position where we've taken something complex and made it more simple and easy to digest. Mm -hmm. But it's like people don't realize the importance yet. I feel like because we're so at the beginning of expressing, of getting people to understand the role the brain plays, it's almost like they don't get how important it is. And that's half our job is just selling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. selling to people, guys, like you're barking up the wrong tree. Like Yes, biomechanics is important, but neurobiomechanics, I mean, now we're talking. (laughs) so true absolutely and it's just all interconnected it really is and one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was of course to talk about proprioception because there are a few misunderstandings about what proprioception is and how it works in the body and seeing as that's your specialism I got super duper excited about uh, learning this about your your background and I thought why not why don't we just take a deep dive and let's begin at the very beginning like what is proprioception and how would you describe that to someone
1: yeah, so um, basically proprioception is our deep sensibility in our body, um, making us aware of how our body is positioned and how we move. And it's often called the sixth sense um, because, um, you know, it's the typical five senses that everyone knows, seeing, hearing, tactile um, a sensation, like feelings and taste and smell, um, these are the exteroception reception. Uh, senses basically it provides us information about the current state, though, um, like different from those five classical senses that everyone knows and gives us information about the outer world, we have also quite like more like whatever so i'm just starting um, proprioception gives us the information, not from um, the outer world, but from our inner world and what people are often not aware of is that we have even more than these six senses. Um, so there are many other interoceptive signals from our inner body, like from our organs, our blood pressure, but also very important sense often forgotten is the vestibular sense. Mm. And so, um, we are actually most, mostly unaware of our interoceptive signals. So also about proprioception, it's something that always happens. We can't just uh, put it off. And, um, so yeah, to just, um, trying to to put it into a simple explanation, proprioception is our sense of self movement, about our body position. It allows us to perceive the location of our body parts in space. So when we move our limbs around and it contributes very much to our own body image. And also it's very tightly interwoven with lots of other functions in our brain. So um, it is uh, closely tied to the control of movement. And it's actually critical to the motor actions, like walking, balance, smooth movements, and little corrections of movement. so um, there's a very interesting patient I just want to throw in quickly. Um, I think Ian Waterman is his uh, name. And he's just always, um, like, he's a very interesting case because he lost his proper receptive sense completely. And like those patients, he couldn't sit uh sit up or stand up or walk because we really we, we, sorry we rely so much on the feedback so just imagine you don't know in which position your body is actually you don't mm. know in which way to move to stand up um you know if you just don't know what your foot is doing right now and um, if you need to bend your knee or not to mm. move on it's very like you can't move properly it's so what very scary threatening
0: totally, isn't it, it? Yeah,
1: And uh, the interesting thing is what he he found a mechanism to work it out um, using his vision for feedback. But um, Uh as you can imagine, it's very, very uh, tough uh, because it's not as quick. And so he actually learned doing all the things like standing up and walking even. But he could only walk bending over a lot. So to only like to always watch his feet uh, Mm -hmm. and his legs moving and so he had to use the visual feedback to control his movements and um, like as soon as he as he didn't uh, like as soon as he looked away he would fall so it just i think this just um, this description is just clarifying the importance of proprioception for our movements our life and and the feeling in our body like for our body image
0: Wow, Oh man, can you imagine like what a legend, first of all, for figuring out how to use his vision to actually understand mm-hmm. where he is in space. I mean, I think that this is the, the overarching message that I keep coming back to when I'm looking at particularly dysfunctional movement is that us humans are incredibly resilient at adapting to whatever struggles we're facing. I mean, if we think about those three satellites that you spoke about, we've got the five sensors, we've got our interoception and our proprioception to have one third just removed from understanding about what your body is up to that's massive but the ability to then adapt to use another sense I think there was another guy who couldn't see and he used something like a clicking with his tongue Mm -hmm. he would like click and then he would like I don't know gain some kind of almost a bit like a dolphin the the resonance coming back would give him kind of a perception of what was around him i, I have no idea if this is an urban myth but there is some weird <laughs> things about people who use their other senses at a much higher level to kind of fill in the gaps um coming back to proprioception though mm-hmm. um what do you what do you feel is your link the link between understanding your proprioception and then improving at something or maybe i don't know mitigating something like pain you know, those are the two things always, pain and performance. How do we get better at stuff and how do we get rid of the pain?
1: Yeah, I feel like we like to get into that. It's a very um like large <laughs> field and, and big question. But I think to start with, um, I think we kind of talked about this, but to just make it clear, like our brain, probably all the listeners know it <laughs> uh, when listening to your podcast. But um like our brain is plastic and whatever we um like it plastic means it's adaptable. And so no matter our age, our plane our brain can adapt. And um whatever we like however we stimulate our other brain, so the demands we give it, it will try to to match it. And so um I think that's a, a really important um kind of um point to just um, start with. And so um so proprioception provides us with a map about our own body. And so um, the better we feel it, the more we can trust it. And like, if we don't feel our body as accurately, we won't be able to control it in an optimal way. So the sensation and the motor control are really, really tightly coupled. And um, I think the more the more accurate we feel it, though, the more confident we are, the safer we feel applying. Um, our like control and and our knowledge and we've also the better or the 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 more practice we have in controlling our body the more we free up our attentive resources for other tasks at hand so Mm -hmm. when it comes to I think you mentioned performance if you want to get better then um you really like our attention is well it's very hard to to um, attend to different things at the same time. So the better we get at one thing, the more we can, um, you know, spend our resources at other things. and um, and then you mentioned pain. I was just like I'm just trying to get it all together. but um, so if we talk about pain, also one thing to understand is um, like pain is not coming from, our limbs or anything but is something that our our brain creates based on the many input signals it gets and then from evaluating um the relevance it has on us basically just trying to make it simple and um so um yeah when like depend or just bringing it together with um, proper reception um so the better or the the more we feel like we can uh, rely on our proper reception and the more we, you know, the more control we have, um, the better we can um, integrate it and then it doesn't feel like it is not matching with other senses, for example. Sorry, I'm just I'm having so much in my head of trying to make sense of it. I don't know. I mean you've just summed
0: up the brain because the brain is so complex. So like I'm asking you this massive question (laughs) and you're like, well there's so many systems. Hey, my loves, real quick, if you are hypermobile, be sure to check out my book, Too Flexible to Feel Good, where my co author and I share the latest science on how to help a bendy body feel awesome. If you already have the book, please do leave it an Amazon review. It helps more than you could ever know, and it just might help someone else feel a bit more stable in their bodies. The book is called Too Flexible to Feel Good, and you can get it from most online retailers. Like, how do we answer this question because nothing is separate like I think one of the one of the downfalls of this question is that it's asking you the role that proprioception plays in performance and pain. But how can you separate proprioception from the other systems, you know, like pain is this huge topic I think i've done a lot of work around talking about pain through my page, but if you guys if you haven't heard yet pain is not an input. It is an output and it's based on how safe we feel. Um, and so I think, you know, yeah, like trying to marry up all those systems. As you've said at the beginning, we've got those interoception, extraoception, and proprioceptive systems. They're all working together, basically.
1: Yeah, actually. And
0: I just um, thought
1: about something because maybe to make it a bit more clear, we can talk about um, this um, phantom limb pain. So, because it's involved in, or it kind of explains what mismatch means when we talk about those signals. So, um, like following an amputation, most amputees still report feeling um, the missing, they still feel the missing limb, but often they describe that it's really painful. And so, it's a really like striking phenomenon because... um, it's actually um like science still debates about the real co- like the real cause of it, um, but a lot of um, evidence speaks for the fact that it has to be related or that it is related to that the that the network um, kind of changes, you know, in our brain. So
0: mm, yeah, um, actually, it, our neural net changes in the brain.
1: Exactly. So we all have a body map in our brain. our somatosensory cortex so where we feel and where the proprioceptive conscious input goes to and um, in the motor cortex and so when one limb is amputated um, the limb obviously is away but the representation is still in our brain Mm. and so um, we see like from our vision we get the information our limb is missing but the brain tells us it's still there i still have that map you know yeah. so we seem to have a mismatch here and um and this is um or this seems to generate the the pain though um yeah
0: no 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 carry oh, okay. on carry on i was just
1: there. like uh, uh, wow <laughs> <laughs> good um so, yeah, that's just actually a very strong demonstration that pain is not coming from the limb itself, first of all, and also uh, what's what has been found and what really works for those patients to um, like for the pain is um, to use mirror images. So when they see their one limb and they put a mirror just um, next to it, and they can like when they look into the mirror, they seem to or they get the information there's the other limb still and so then the brain gets the visual information the the limb is still there and it matches with the representation we have in our brain and then this seems to alleviate the pain and yeah, so it just our vision
0: um, our vision is so powerful isn't it actually
1: yeah and so matching those um those sensors is very important so whenever we work on proper reception, we have to uh kind of have in mind that all the other senses play a role too and in the end it's all about matching those senses to make us feel safer and then also to have a more accurate um, feeling of this and control and it's actually very interesting because um, our pain is not even though um, the pain that those uh, phantom limb patients feel related to the network and the um uh some other sensory cortex where the representation of the limb is still there it seems that it's not coming from this area but it's just about the network so um Mm. yeah it's just important to know it's not it might not be uh one area you know but that's producing the pain or that's um just causing it but it's the network and then um the insular cortex is one really important um, area that really evaluates all the input signals coming from our body, especially, uh, but also from outside our body and our emotions and our, you know, um, homeostatic information. And if every and and then it looks at everything and if it's really it if it feels like it's some kind of danger for ourselves or you know it just it's um it's challenging our integrity that it might give us the pain feeling.
0: Yeah, it is so, so deep and so complex. And I'm loving that you mentioned Phantom Limb because I think that is really the beginning point where we started questioning pain as scientists. You know, people started going, this doesn't add up? How can someone be feeling pain in a limb that isn't there? And that was really the starting point where where change started instigating, which I just think is so fantastic. Um, The other thing that you touched upon, which I think is really important for us just to go back to is that we only have so much mental space to perform a task. And that one of the things I noticed in the yoga world is that, you know, they were constantly cueing muscle groups, You know, squeeze this engage Mm. that but actually it's almost less effective because these systems should be working reflexively they should just be operating without our conscious control, we should be giving that mental space to maybe other things. Yeah, I think the
1: fact that um, external cues really work very well and often better than just cueing uh, one muscle group is that. When we imagine, visualize, or however it works individually, um, an external cue, we kind of try to control a whole muscle chain, like, or, you Mm, know, the whole body system working together and not only one muscle group. And the thing is, I think there is a strength in in, um, talking about muscle groups too, in a like, just because it's kind of an education and it's good if people know what we're talking about and you know, how things work together. But for really um, trying to control things like, well, movements, it's definitely
0: uh, shown that external cues work really well. I'm so glad you mentioned external cues because I really, they were such a game changer for me. I was all about the muscle engagement because, you know, biomechanics, that was my thing. And I was always like, squeeze this, engage that. And then I learned about the external cues and I was like, oh, wow. Like I have been, again, Mm (laughs) not understanding fully the human body as much as I thought I did. You know, we've always got mm-hmm. these perceptions that we know so much. And then in the real world, we're like, oh, goodness, no. Um, you spoke about pro maps being in the brain. You used the example of phantom limb pain being an output and I think that that beautifully illustrates the answer to the next question which is obviously in yoga you often hear people talking about proprioception being in the joints mm-hmm. and this is not really accurate right
1: yeah so um, actually I find it really interesting because I think there are, it depends on how people um, define proprioception a little bit so the you know, the details, but proprioception relies on sensory input coming from muscle spindles, mostly uh, Golgi or Golgi tendon organs. So these are in the muscles and at the junction between tendon and muscle. Um, there are some mechanosensitive receptors in the joints and skin too. Um, all of them together um, give, uh, uh, give us the feedback about um, how our body is positioned. And I find it really interesting because I've read that current discussions um, actually have included the efferent motor command. So, you know, when we, <laughs> I just have to start somewhere else. So when we want to, um, when we want to do a, a movement, our uh, brain starts to um, send a signal down the spinal cord to uh, start the movement, initiate the movement, but also it will send a copy of that movement basically to our uh, cerebellum and um, and and there um, yeah and this this copy actually is said that this is kind of included in the in the proprioceptive signals because um, without this motor um, command we like. Um, the whole proprioceptive syf- system wouldn't work the way it would or it, it does and so actually as I mentioned before our conscious proprioceptive feedback coming from the body body uh, goes to our somatosensory cortex um, via different uh, relay stations um, but then our um, there are unconscious signals of our body going directly to the cerebellum and there it gets compared with the signal that was sent down. And mm-hmm. actually it's not only working after we move, but also um, it's a very, very tight control system, always working um, and uh, enabling us to even correct our movements before we did them. Like, you know, we, the signal is sent down and we recognize very, very quickly by just um, imagining how the, Maybe like how our body state would be if we do that movement. And then we realize that's not what uh, what I intended. And so it gets con- um, gets corrected very quickly. It's something okay. that's it's, unconscious and very that. hard to
0: describe even. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. When I've looked at the wiring system that you're describing, how the cortex sends the movement plan to the cerebellum, then you get the movement performed. Then the then all of that information goes back to the cerebellum to check, did I do it right? And then it goes back to the cortex This was so fascinating for me that how complex the wiring is, and yet how efficient to make sure we're doing things correctly. So basically, what you're saying is those proprioceptive systems are in the brain.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. So if Mm -hmm. if you mean that, of course, Um, I mean, it's based on the signals we get from our body, but the processing happens
0: in the brain. Thanks for listening. That was part one of the show. Next week, I'll be releasing part two. Remember, if this episode was helpful at all, please do share, rate, and review.